0: Welcome to another episode of Raising OKC Kids Conversations with Metro Family in Oklahoma City. I'm Kirsten Holder, and today we're talking with Carrie Williams, Executive Director of the Oklahoma Partnership for School Readiness, about early childhood care and shortages and solutions in our state. Welcome, Carrie.
1: Great. Thank you so much, uh, Kirsten, for having me. I'm really happy to be here today.
0: I am too. I'm so excited and passionate about this topic as I know you are as well. Um, But before we start, I'd love to open with some introductions about you. Carrie Williams has served as the executive director for the Oklahoma Partnership for School Readiness Foundation since May of 2021. During her tenure, she has overseen Oklahoma's Early Childhood Advisory Council and has worked to streamline programs and services on behalf of Oklahoma's children and families. She leads the Oklahoma Clearinghouse for Early Childhood Success, which has funded implementation of more than $8 million in projects to improve outcomes for children and families through public and private partnerships. Carrie's work includes a collaborative effort between OPSR and Oklahoma Human Services to secure $36 million for the Administration for Children and Families to improve Oklahoma's early childhood system. As if that weren't enough, Carrie also serves on Oklahoma City Public Schools Early Childhood Task Force, Rose State College's Family Services and Child Development Advisory Committee, and OSU OKC's Early Care Advisory Committee. She is also a founding member of Dolly Parton's Imagination Library Advisory Board in Oklahoma under the Oklahoma State Department of Education. We just love that program. We've been talking about it with all of our readers and all the work you do is so important. Um, And then, of course, you live in Oklahoma City with your husband and your two boys, Noah and Benjamin, Um, and I'm just so excited to dive in. I'd love to start by asking you why you are passionate about early childhood care. And education in our state?
1: So that's a great question. I've been passionate about early care and education in Oklahoma uh, really all my life. My mom was a teacher, she's now retired. My dad actually retired from his original career to become a teacher as well. So education runs deep in our family. But really, the reason I'm passionate about early care and education falls back to the fact that I'm a mom. I have two boys, and they're a amazing and I just couldn't love them more but I also have a professional career that I pursue and so early care and education and the quality of it really matters that enables me to be able to have a career um, and also be a mom at the same time and I just think that every child needs that same access that same quality um, of early experiences and so it's my my kind of mission in life to make sure that I can do that here in Oklahoma
0: I love that. And I do hear you saying um, your work probably hits home a little bit more because you have your kids at home. I mean, and you've been through some of these experiences and you don't know till you know what the holes in the systems and the problems are. So we're very lucky to have somebody like you advocating for families in Oklahoma. The Oklahoma Partnership for School Readiness's mission is to lead Oklahoma in coordinating an early childhood system that strengthens families and ensures all children are ready for school. Can you tell us how your organization fulfills that mission?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So this work actually dates back 20 years in Oklahoma, um, when then-Governor Frank Keating recognized that there was a disconnect. We have 15 state agencies in Oklahoma that serve children and families in some way. We lovingly call it a mixed delivery system, right? But what it really means is that there are 15 state agencies who serve a, a unique part of the early childhood system, and they don't all collaborate with each other. Um, they all have their own data systems. They all have their own methods of operation, their own individual sort of niche ways that they serve children and families. And so there was a task force created that helped the state sort of understand the, all of the pieces of the early childhood system that really came out with a strong recommendation that we needed to do more in order to help them collaborate with each other. So OPSR came out of that task force and um, has been in existence for now 20 years. We really are the convening body for early childhood programs and and services in the state of Oklahoma, but we're a true public-private partnership. So those 15 state agencies serve on our partnership board, but we also have 17 Um, public um, or private citizens who actually serve on that partnership board too, and they help us um, with family voice. They help us know what's happening in the nonprofit community and in other segments of um, Oklahoma's community that help us really round out the early childhood system and break down those sort of silos that can exist in government when we're serving children and families. And that's really our role in the state. So we're not only the convening body, we're not only the group that brings those folks all together, but we also seek opportunities for funding and programming that actually can improve the early childhood system as well.
0: Awesome. And again, filling those holes and gaps is so needed, and especially from parents who are in the community and working for Betterment. That is so awesome. What do you see as the biggest contributing factors to a child's success in school? We know parent involvement plays a huge factor, but I'd love to hear from your perspective and what you see every day. um, What are some of those biggest contributing factors? And then additionally, how does OPSR offer programs that prepare kids and their families for long-term educational success?
1: So at at OPSR, we've identified what we call the pathway to school readiness, the sort of three big contributing factors that help us make sure that children are on the right trajectory by the time they enter school, because we know statistically that if children enter school not ready to learn, if they're not reading at grade level by the time they are in third grade, that they don't catch up. Um, And then that's when you see dropout rates in high school and um, lack of participation in higher education and other career career fields. So we know we have to have children prepared for school when that time comes. And it really does come down to those three sort of segments of our pathway. So the first is that children and families have access to, to the health services that they need. And that starts prenatal. We want to make sure that moms have good prenatal care, that they are um, having proper nutrition um, before they even give birth, that we have good health care for moms and babies once the um, baby's born, that they're attending that postpartum um, care that they need as moms, that children are making their well-child visits, that they are having the opportunity to thrive from a health perspective. We also want children engaged in high quality early care and learning. So whether that be at home in a family child care home environment or in a child care facility, we want to make sure that those environments are the highest quality that um, those who are caring for children have the education levels that they need to serve children and families well. and that children have an opportunity to learn those um, early developmental skills that put them on the right track for their education once they enter school. And then we wanna make sure that all parents and caregivers have access to education and support services they need to provide a healthy and stable environment for the children that they serve. So we wanna make sure that family support is present at all times. Uh, We're not a direct service provider at Oklahoma Partnership for School Readiness, but we do manage several programs that directly impact the quality of those early care environments for children and families. Uh, For one example of that would be our child care resource and referral program. This is a program we operate on behalf of the State of Oklahoma that has several goals in mind. We help first connect parents and families to quality early um, care and education opportunities. So families looking for childcare can either call us directly or um, search through our website to find quality licensed childcare that meets their unique needs. So if they, for example, are a nurse and they work extended hours and they need childcare that meets their needs in a a non-traditional way, they need care after 5 p.m. or after 6 p.m., we can help run those tailored referrals for families who are looking for childcare. We're also doing our very best to improve the quality of childcare. So we work directly with family childcare home providers, with childcare center employees to not only improve their business practices and make sure that they are stable and successful from a business perspective, but also help them with their practices in their classrooms to help them improve the environments that children are being cared for in. So childcare resource and referral is a huge example of some of that work that we do directly um, that impacts children and families in the state of Oklahoma.
0: Oh my goodness, such big issues and such important issues. So that is well said and I'm so glad um, that we have you advocating for that because like you said it's hard to care for a child's education just looking at their education. There's always factors behind the scenes and starting with the family unit is so important um, for long-term success so that that is really impactful.
1: Thank you.
0: And as you mentioned, it's hard to talk about early childhood age grouping these young children without mentioning childcare, and the crisis of childcare facing parents on a state and national level. Nationwide 2.3 million women have left the workforce since the onset of the pandemic a few years ago, resulting in women's lowest workforce participation rate since 1988. This is obviously upsetting um, and for many of us unsurprising because we're feeling the strains. I'd love to hear from your perspective, what is the root of the childcare crisis and what are some long-term implications of these statistics if left unaddressed?
1: Yeah, this is a big problem in Oklahoma, but it's not unique to Oklahoma. This is a nationwide crisis. We have a shortage of childcare across the entire nation. Um, and I don't say that to minimize it for saying, oh gosh, we're just in the same boat as everyone else. There's no solution here. Um, there definitely are some solutions that we recommended, but it is um, ab- absolutely a crisis. It existed before the pandemic. It was exacerbated by the pandemic, but in some ways COVID-19 shed a light on this problem. And I do think that we finally have policy leaders paying attention. So now's the time to act, to be advocates for our kids, for, for families, for child care, for the industry. It is, it is an economic issue in our state, and it's a conundrum for child care providers because at the same time that child care is too expensive for children and families, in the state of Oklahoma, the average cost of care for an infant in Oklahoma is over eleven thousand dollars a year. That's expensive, and especially when you consider that the median income in Oklahoma is around fifty-eight thousand dollars a year. So that's a problem, right? But even at the high cost of child care, it's even higher for those operators of child care businesses. Um, they are operating sometimes at um salaries around $11.67 an hour that's the median hourly wage for child care providers so they're not ma- they're not earning a livable wage and that's part of the big issue of why we have a lack of child care available it's very difficult to incentivize to recruit and retain a workforce in the early childhood field when you can't afford to pay them what it would cost to actually live in their own communities. Um, Two thirds of childcare providers are involved in participating in at least one subsidy program by the state because they can't afford to live and work and do what they want to do, which is care for our children and families. And and there are some reasons for that, right? Child care is an expensive industry. We are a highly regulated industry in Oklahoma. And that's important. That's necessary for the health and safety and well-being of our children. But it also means that ratios for infant care are one to four. We want that ratio to exist. Mm -hmm. But when you can't operate in a way that meets your bottom line, it makes it very difficult um, for a program or a, an industry to be so very highly regulated, but not fully publicly funded. Mm. What you end up having is child care facilities that can only afford to operate on private pay. Um, so rather than accepting child care subsidy. And so you have the very lowest income families who qualify for programs like early head start and head start or even child care subsidy that pays for a portion of their child care needs and then you have the very highest earning families who can afford that private pay quality care environment but you've got a very wide gap in the middle of families who are struggling because they neither qualify for the subsidy programs or can afford the high quality child care environments so we really have to do more from a public perspective to help um, bring awareness to this issue, to encourage the state to fully fund child care subsidy program to increase that gap, um, or that cap on those who sub- qualify for subsidy. One of the big policy solutions we're seeking right now is the fact that childcare subsidy is paid for on attendance. Versus child care enrollment. Mm. And that's a big problem. If you are a family who pays for child care, you pay a weekly rate whether your child attends or not. And when child care subsidy is paid for based on attendance, we have families who may only be able to attend, have their child attend care three days a week, four days a week. Those providers are only paid for the days that their children actually are in attendance, which sounds OK until you see the bottom line. There's a big gap between what a private pay family pays for child care and what child care subsidy um, pays to a child care provider. It really disincentivizes providers from accepting low income families into their program because it really impacts their bottom line. So we really have to switch that policy. And at the federal level right now, it is strongly recommended that states pay childcare subsidy based on enrollment and not on attendance, but it's not something that is required as of now. A lot of those requirements have been sort of waived due to some federal funding that has come through because of COVID. And we've seen a real stabilization of the industry as a result. And um, I think our concern is that once that requirement, once those funds run out, will the state revert back to a true attendance versus enrollment standpoint and make child care um, too, affor- or too unaffordable for families?
0: Oh my goodness, this all feels very overwhelming. Um, And like you said, there are two sides to the whole thing, the childcare providers and the incentivizations there, and then the people who need childcare and how can we kind of fit both problems into a solution. And I'm just really hopeful. like you said the pandemic and some of the light that's been shed on these issues will kind of snowball and help us get there because something does need to change. I mean we all know that Um, a lot of child care centers are on wait lists before you even know you're pregnant and so Mm -hmm. we all need some help. Um, Not everybody has the luxury of family support Um, and like you said caring for kids is our number one priority. That's all we want out of life is for our kids to have a better life than we did. Um, So at the root of the issue that I think that's what we're all feeling. And I appreciate knowing um, some of those in-depth looks at some things and how there's going to be um, solutions out of that as well.
1: Yeah. And, you know, we really can't overstate the impact that this has on women in Oklahoma, right? Mm -hmm. We've nationwide 2.3 million women left the workforce because of the pandemic, because they couldn't afford childcare or they didn't have access to childcare. And so, someone in the family had to stay home. That disproportionately affected women. Mm -hmm. If women in Oklahoma participated in the workforce at the same rate as men, we would have 99,000 more people in the workforce in Oklahoma alone. That's $3.7 billion in earned wages that we would have in our economy in Oklahoma if women participated in the workforce at the same rate as men. And childcare is the reason. It is overwhelmingly the reason. We um, we conducted a study for the Oklahoma City Chamber of Commerce where we really were looking at what the workforce issues were. Child care is number one, every time. Lack of um, ability to pay for childcare, lack of availability of childcare, um, those are big issues. And if we don't solve this crisis, it's going to have a negative impact on our state for long into the future. Absolutely.
0: It really, I mean, it really is. I've got two littles at home. I'm right there in it. This has been one of the biggest stressors of our lives that we didn't anticipate until we were kind of grasping at straws. And so I know there's so many others in the same position where they're balancing, you know, needing to feed their families with, trying to find the best emotional and physical support for their kids while they do so. And that's hard. I mean, it's just one of those things that they don't tell you about parenting before you're involved in it, you know, and, so, and then you realize what a big issue it is. Um, and so, yeah, I'm, the study is outstanding. Um, where can anyone who's listening find um, a copy of that study if they'd, if they'd like to break it down and go through it?
1: Absolutely, the Greater Oklahoma City Chamber of Commerce actually commissioned that study, so they have it on their website. We also have it on ours, which is okschoolreadiness.org. Uh, there's a link to the full report there, um, and it's really very well broken down. I think into some different policy solutions. Some it really explains the crisis well, but it also it doesn't stop at just ex, you know examining the problem. It really is solutions minded this report it lays out some pretty simple steps that businesses can take simple steps that policy leaders can take that that really urgently need to be taken now to to better support our industry.
0: Absolutely. Everyone, if you get a chance, take a look at that. And it is written very hopefully um, and very, you know, big aspirations, but achievable goals too. So I'm, I really highly recommend looking that over. I know a lot of work went into that. A lot of voices were heard in that study. Um, and it did kind of, you know, for my own personal, and I think other people can relate, give some quantification to what I was feeling on a daily basis when it comes to child care. Um, and so knowing that it's being worked on and being quantified in that way was very reassuring um, to so many. And then in addition to childcare shortages, of course, there are many other obstacles that we mentioned. One that can't be ignored is financing. And you mentioned about the average income um, of households in Oklahoma being just $58,000 when childcare cost is so high, that's just sometimes very unachievable. Um, Are there any other things that we need to understand um, about alleviating this issue, maybe on a local level, on a state level, even on a national level, what are those things that can help families um, in that average income range um, really be able to afford child care?
1: Yeah, you know, we really need to be working with our business community in a stronger way to help solve this crisis as well. Um, I mentioned the state paying child care subsidy based on enrollment versus attendance. That is the single, most important way that our state can help support child care businesses and lower costs for families, but we need to engage our business communities, there are states um, Tennessee being one Kentucky being another. That have come up with some innovative solutions to solving the child care crisis. Um, tax credits for uh, businesses who subsidize child care for their employees
0: mm. is a
1: really great solution from a policy perspective. But our business community investing in child care options um, would go a long way as well. You know, we've as a state tried very hard to recruit businesses to Oklahoma we want this to be an attractive place to live and raise a family, but in order to attract businesses to Oklahoma and support our workforce, we have to have child care available. So Kentucky and Tennessee have done great things around sort of a tri-share model where families pay a portion of the child care cost, businesses pay a portion of the child care cost, and the state pays a portion. So it really reduces the burden on families, and it also um, improves a, a worker's ability to attend work on a regular basis in the way that um, they're not able to now. But we can do some other things as businesses. We can offer more flexible schedules that are more supportive of um, families in their pursuit of child care. Um, we can look at implementing dependent care programs that include employer contributions, paid family leave programs and policies. um, And again, those tax credits to encourage um, childcare providers to um, even childcare providers themselves to subsidize childcare for their employees. One of the other real benefits of the federal funding that came down through um, the pandemic relief was that we were able as a state to categorically make childcare providers eligible for childcare subsidy, regardless of their income level. It was a really powerful recruitment and retention tool for the early childhood field. Think about it this way. If you're if you're making $11 and 67 cents an hour, you certainly can't afford to pay for childcare. So there's really no incentive at all. For a, for a child care provider to remain in the field once they become a parent, mm. unless they qualify for subsidized child care um, at no cost to them at the same time. So what that does, that mm. categorical I, eligibility in, in enables me as a child care provider to go to work to have my child enrolled in the very same program that I'm working in at no cost to me. It's basically an $11,000 a year raise for the industry. Mm-hmm. It a, makes a big impact. And we'd love to see that become permanent.
0: Mm-hmm. I'm just thinking too about some of these uh, <clears throat> child care providers, you know, I can't be my best parent when I don't feel supported, when my cup's not full, when I have these big stressors in my life and we are dropping our children off with childcare providers that have stresses that are probably we can't even imagine, I mean, at that pay level um, and taking care of their own kids, as you mentioned. Um, So we want to make sure that our kids are in the best hands. We need to make sure those people are being cared for as well, that they feel supported, appreciated, financially um, supported and given some of the things that they just need to live and to be a productive human and household and all of these things so that it seems like common sense. It's um, frustrating that we're, you know, in the year that we're in and, and nothing has been changed in that regard
1: Yeah, you're absolutely right. These um, those who care for our children, those who are enabling us to go to work, they really do need to feel our support and it is you know great to be able to say thank you, but we also need to make sure they're able to be compensated for the work that they're doing. They are taking care of our most valuable resources and our most vulnerable citizens. Mm-hmm. So we've got to make sure they get the support and resources that they need. Absolutely.
0: So um, tell us more about some of your programs and how OPSR is advocating for kids and families. I heard a little bit about Invest in Kids Day, but I'd love to hear more from you.
1: So this is something that we started two years ago. We'll be in our third year um, this coming April of Invest in Kids Day. We call it Inc Day. Um, it is really a great opportunity for families to come together, for childcare professionals to come together. Um, our childcare resource and referral program, um, that is in eight agencies across the state. That's a statewide program. For everyone to come together on one day at the same time, we offer advocacy training. Mm-hmm. So we help these families who may have never been to the Capitol before know how to approach a legislator, know how to get their point across, know the right messaging to use, know the right approaches, and how to leave a note behind if their legislator is not in their office. So we provide this really great training. We talk about how a bill becomes a law, and then we literally load everyone up in a bus, and we go to the Capitol as one unit to advocate for children and families in the state of Oklahoma. It is a really impactful day for us. um, And it was really um, designed to give us one voice Mm -hmm. so that we know um, what messaging will resonate with our policy leaders in the state of Oklahoma and that we're able to effectively communicate that message to those who make policies that impact us. And it's been really phenomenal. The first year, we I think we had 200 advocates together in one space. The second year, it was 400. Hey, let's go for 600 this year. It's really, um, it's really a, a very powerful time for us. But it's just part of what we do, right? We are tracking bills all session long that impact children and families, and we send that around to those who um, want to be a part of our campaign. And we make sure that they are aware of anything that may positively or negatively impact them. And we help them connect with their legislators at the federal, state, and local level. That uh, at times when it's important for us to be heard, we want to make sure that we are communicating those messages well. Um, And we even work with like OU, um, the Pediatric Residency Program. They come to us for a rotation on advocacy because they want to know, what policies are going to impact them in the medical space? As pediatricians, when they move forward into their careers, we want to help them effectively communicate uh, when something good or something bad may be happening up um, between. 23rd in Lincoln. So mm-hmm. it's a really impactful part of what we do and it's it's great to be able to support our community in that way and to have families and children look to us as a resource, but also to have those policy leaders look to us as a resource. We present at interim studies before session um, and after session where we're looking at topics and saying here's the real impact of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're not we're not lobbying. We're educating our legislators on the impact of um, potential legislation, and we are truly a neutral, loving home for all things early childhood. And so it's really great to be seen as that resource, um, not only for children and families, but also for policy leaders.
0: Absolutely. And many of our policy leaders are parents too. So I'm sure hearing these problems again in a quantified way, they can't help but relate. And then seeing the numbers that you're bringing out um, to advocate and educate as well, I'm sure is very impactful. That is just awesome. Um, What is the date of that event this year and how can people be involved?
1: It is going to be on Monday, April the 1st this year. So um, we'll send out a registration link and we'd be happy to share it with you and with um, our entire um, communications list. So if you want to be a part of it, go to OKSchoolReadiness.org and sign up for alerts um, for our events. And we'll be sending out a registration link for Ink Day through that, but we'd also love it if you all would promote it at Metro Family. That would be amazing. It's such a good event.
0: We'll Um, put it in our show notes, definitely, and um, help promote it throughout the year because that is very important um, for all families to be involved in. Is there anything else you recommend that we can do as parents to advocate for ourselves and our families in our own communities?
1: Yeah, I think the best advice I would give is to just stay informed about the issues related to child care. And we all know that child care is expensive, but we don't always understand why. So mm-hmm. let's be information seekers and um, let's be curious and let's make sure that we have the best possible information so that we can be true advocates for for kids, for the childcare community. Um, Stay involved with our website. That's where we post lots of good information um, that can help you stay informed. Um, And we need you to be advocates for children and families. It's great to have family voice involved. And so any way that you want to do that, we'd love to help you. Um, And we can always use more advocates. So just reach out to us if you want to be engaged.
0: Absolutely.
1: In the midst
0: of all the statistics we talked about today that I know can just be overwhelming and frustrating and aggravating, what gives you hope and optimism for the future of young families in Oklahoma?
1: Yeah, you know Oklahoma actually leads the way in early care and education, we are um, the first state to adopt universal pre K programming for three and four year olds, we were the first state um, to adopt what has been nationally recognized standards for a quality rating improvement system for the child care um, industry. We're a leader and I think we have a a proven ability and a track record of success that says we can solve this problem. We can solve the childcare crisis in Oklahoma and this will be just one more way that we're leading the way. Like I said, we're number two in the nation for access to public pre-K. Other states look to us and they're jealous of what we've been able to accomplish. So let's do that with childcare moving forward too. Amazing.
0: When you put parents to work and if you don't mind me saying when you put moms to work things get done. (laughs) I love to hear it. Thank you so much Carrie, for talking with us today. To find more about Carrie Williams work or the work of Oklahoma Partnership for School Readiness as we mentioned please visit www.okschoolreadiness.org. Thanks again so much and join us next time on Raising OKC Kids.